defends them dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyf, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Rugby league. Rugby league. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Supercoach Playbook pre-season podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. Joining me tonight is the Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are we? G'day, Timo. Very excited to be back, mate. Uh, benched last week in favour of a couple of Supercoach studs, so mate, I'm, I'm raring to go and excited to be back on board. Yeah, that's right, mate. Don't feel hard done by when you're knocked off by uh, the champ and the runner-up. There's not much you can do about it, so all good. Uh, and joining us again is our resident Queenslander and the 2019 Supercoach runner-up, Walson Carlos. Walson, how are we, mate? Hey, Timmy Spy. How are you, boys? Good, mate. Good, Walston. Very good, mate. Guys, we'll, we'll cut out the jibber-jabber. We're here to talk Supercoach, so we get stuck into it. Enough of the small talk. Uh, guys, tonight's show, we're going to talk about the Supercoach ramifications out of the week's news. There were stacks this week. There's, there's been stacks every week so far. Uh, we'll talk about the All-Stars game, the World Club Challenge, the NRL trial recap. Uh, we'll then go into detail about all the, the best front row forward options this season. It's a little bit slim outside of Payne Hash there, so that's interesting. And then we'll take a few questions for, that we threw out on social this week. Guys, if you haven't had a look at the website, jump onto scplaybook.com.au. If you have any feedback for us or any questions of your own, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at scplaybook1. Uh, guys, we've also got uh, some good subscription content available. It's $30 a head for NRL or $40 for NRL and BBL. So basically what that is at this stage of the season is just me doing top 17s of about 2,000-plus words of analysis on every club in the NRL uh, and providing round one rating on every player in that team. Check out the Eels, Cowboys and Broncos. I've done a squad analysis on all of them that's free to read. Um, basically, pre-season, everything else will be free to read, so hopefully we can get you in and, and get you enjoying the content and know what you're, you're in for for the season if you are enjoying it. A uh, little bit of background on that, the subscription side of things. So I finished up at the Daily Telegraph in December, which I mentioned earlier. Basically, this has allowed me the time to, to launch the site, which I've been very passionate about. I'm very excited about. Basically, any subscriptions that come in help me to sort of maintain the site, to improve the site going forward, to get us more contributed content from guys like Des, Walson, The Spy, and a few others, potentially get a few more on deck in the future if it allows. Uh, and probably more importantly, it allows me sort of the bit extra time to dedicate to the site while working on the site, obviously, but just to work on, a, on it, building stories, getting content out there. So happy days. Um, but it is also important to us to keep plenty of it free to read. The Supercoach community has been awesome since we launched, so we're going to keep most of it free, um, which suits everyone. Not everyone can afford it or doesn't want to pay for it, which is fine. Um, and if there is any questions you might want, just hit us up on our social channels and we can answer them there. Enough of that. Let's get stuck into it. So the news from the week, the big one, which was almost a week ago now, just after we recorded our last podcast, was the injury to Matt Lodge. Massive implications for Supercoach and the, the minutes of the Brisbane Broncos pack. Walson, you're out Queenslander. You know, you know a lot about the Broncos up there. How do you think this uh, impacts their, their forward rotation? Oh, it'll obviously have a massive impact on... Their forward rotation in terms of personnel, um, Flagler becomes a lot more relevant. And I see that in the in the trial team that he's been named as a starting front rower. Um, this is the trial game where generally teams go with clo- very, very close to their uh, round one team. 
um, and also Carrigan's been named uh, to play lock. Um, you've got to take into consideration that uh, TPJ's been named on an edge because uh, Alex Glenn is sitting out the trial. He's in doubt, but uh, you would imagine that Flegler or Carrigan could start um, in, in one of those roles, like lock or front row in one of those middle positions, and um, both of them are quite enticing at their price. Yeah, absolutely, and I suppose I had a good look into it during the week and did an article on it, and he'll go one of two ways, Anthony Seabold. He either The easy solution to him is to bring Alex Glenn in and play him on the edge. Um, they can keep off and Gahi at lock, and then probably Tommy Flegler being that bigger body to replace Matty Lodge starts at prop. That's option A. Option B would be to keep Alex Glenn on the bench, keep TPJ on an edge, and then you can tinker around with playing Offengahi at lock, uh, sorry, at prop, and then Carrigan at lock or keep Offer at lock and Flegler at prop. So there's a few options there. Um, Matty Lodge played 57 minutes a game last season, so it is a big chunk to come out of it. Spy, what do you think about all this? Yeah, it's a lot of lot of minutes to cover. Obviously, it's a big, big-time injury for Supercoach purposes. For me, it's just a bit of a wait and see on that round one team. That Tuesday when that team drops is going to be huge to see what Siebes does. Um, but obviously, if one of the young guys can get extra minutes, then there's a huge chance of extra points, extra money and the like. So I'm excited to see uh, what Seabolt does there, lads. Yeah, absolutely. I can see TPJ playing an extra sort of five or ten minutes there. Often he maybe an extra 10, 15 minutes. And I think whoever starts out of Fleg- Flegler and Carrigan, I don't think it'll matter too much. I still think they both, both probably see an extra sort of 10 to 15 minutes minimum. Um, they'll be the major guys to take up these minutes. So they're really appealing at a sort of mid-ranger type price. Uh, down to the Newcastle Knights and Bradman Best to miss the first month of the competition. Um, really interesting there because it's giving a few guys an opportunity Number one being Tautel Moga, who's really enticing at 245k, but he's also set to miss the first week or two. And then there's Anari Chuala, the former Cowboy. He's 286k, which is a bit awkward, but also a major chance for that spot in round one. But then your job security is an issue. Walson, what are your thoughts there? Are you enticed by anything, or is there just too many issues around it? No, I'm not overly interested, um, to be honest, because neither of them are neither. Tuala or Moga um, are really that relevant, I think, Supercoach-wise. I actually feel like Bradman Best was a bit of a trap in some ways. Like, he was so cheap, he might not have been a trap, but I don't feel like he was He, he was really heavily hyped and I don't think he was going to be as good as people thought he was. I could be proved wrong later in the year. Um, what I do am I, I am interested in and is coming into my thought processes is what effect this has on Ponga people that he's feeding out wide like if he's got lesser runners off him is it going to affect his try assist his line break assist things like that um so it's making me question whether i go with pappenhausen and ponga which i currently got in my team or whether i look to um maybe some of the other big guns in in the fullback position yeah that's fair mate and the issue is as we go over and over we keep talking about it but we have so few cheapies this year that you're almost going to have to take a bit of a flyer on one of them, I feel, because I don't think there's going to be many on offer. Spy, any of these guys take your fancy? 
Yeah, look, back to that point. The job security probably isn't huge if someone comes in. Uh, Tuala, I'm a big fan of in Real NRL. He's a young kid. He looks really exciting. He's a good player. But so far in his limited games, that hasn't really translated to super coach points. So this coupled with limited points per game output so far in his career, I won't be touching him. Tao Moga. A couple of years ago, played 24 games and actually averaged 52. So that's serious output based on what he's priced at. But again, with that job security possibly only being a couple of weeks, it's very hard to put him in because he might only play a game or two and then he could be gone for you. Um, and the Ponga stuff's interesting because I'm in a serious crisis at the moment trying to decide whether I want Ponga or someone like Tommy Trevojevic despite his tough draw. So... There's a big watch here at the Knights, but either of those two guys, I'm just not sure about. And if Bradman Best comes back in three or four weeks, then is it better off just having him on your bench to make money when he comes in or pull him in when he starts playing? Um, so it's probably a no for me on those two guys that may come in. Heading down to the Sutherland Shire, poor old Cam King. He spent the last couple of years at the Featherston Rovers over in England. He's done his ACL again. He looked like he was in line for a potentially a bench spot at the Sharkies. Massive shame for him. A uh, really good guy, one of the good guys of the game. So shattering for him, but he will miss the season. Good news for Blake Braley, uh, one of the key cheapies in the game, who he's already stated that he wants to be an 80-minute hooker. Um, don't really need to get your thoughts on this too much, guys, because I think, A, it just solidifies Blake Braley as probably the, the best and safest cheapie in the game this year. Um, what it will do is potentially put four middle-slash-edge middle forwards on the bench and not have a rake, which could affect guys like Jack Williams, Billy Magulius. Um, but again, until we see that round one team, we don't know. Um, Brandon Smith is out for four to six weeks with an injury as well. He averaged 42 minutes a game in last... 42 minutes per game last year. After the weekend's All-Stars game, he was on the lips of a lot of people with potentially a few extra minutes there. Um Guys, it's, we're living in the past a little bit already because he's gone for four to six weeks. But Walsam, did you have any interest in Brandon Smith before he got injured? Uh, yeah, some marginal interest. But the issue is always that Cameron Smith's there and, you know, how many minutes is he going to play? And Dale Finucane's an origin player now. So, um, yeah, it's really hard. It's a really hard situation there. They've got so much depth. And they've got Harry Grant, who... I think Smith came out this week and said he's a better hooker than him. So, uh, like, that's um, Brandon Smith came out and actually said that. So they've got so much depth there. And I, I think uh, Bellamy would like to play in more minutes. But um, now with this injury, it's sort of it's sort of a moot point. Yeah. And do you, see, do you see Harry Grant playing 14 now? Or will it just be Cam Smith plays 80 and there's no need for Harry Grant on the bench? Well, that's a good question. Um I don't think so. I don't. I don't think Harry Grant would play fourteen. But then it would be interesting. I, I think with the way they rotate their players, it would be a similar situation to Brisbane. They're likely to play someone on the bench, like an Isaac, or someone who's a bit more versatile um, on the bench. Maybe they blood um, young Johns, and that he looks physically like he's a year away from it for me. But um, they might blood someone and only play them five or ten minutes. Bellamy does that a lot, so you've got to be really careful if you're putting someone in your team that's on the bench from Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely, and that's it. I think even if Harry, yeah, as you said, but if Harry Grant does sneak in there, be very wary. I don't think he will last long, and if, even if he's there, he won't be playing many minutes. Uh, we'll get on to the All-Stars recap now, just a quick one, a little bit out of that. Spy, anyone catch your eye there? Anyone who you did like and now you're off? Any thoughts? Look, uh, first of all, Jesse Ramian played very bloody well. 
Um, it was only a couple of years ago he averaged 53. Um, and then last year he looked to me to be carrying a little extra weight. He wasn't fit. There was something not quite right there in terms of physicality for Ramian. He looked very strong. He was busting tackles left, right and centre Saturday night. He's got a good offload in him. So it's one to probably keep an eye on to... Not someone I'd probably start with, but if he's playing that well to start the year, then he's someone who could certainly come into contention. Um, and he really, really impressed me. It was interesting to watch Latrell. Probably not a whole lot to take out of Latrell. It was his first game at fullback. I wouldn't read too much into it, but his involvement was pretty minimal to begin with. Um, but I think the big one for me was Remian and also David Fafita, who is just bloody terrifying, that guy. He is unbelievable. And if he's playing big minutes of the Broncos, he's not only a must-have, but possible captaincy option um, after a couple of weeks. He's just a beast. Yeah, absolutely. Ramian had something like 12 tackle breaks in that game, which is just it's exactly what you wanted to see from him. Uh, I think Dave Fafid had eight in him as well, which is awesome. Uh, Walson, any thoughts on that game? Oh, yes, similar around. Uh, Ramian was impressive with his tackle breaks. I would just say um, if uh, people uh, were getting a little bit carried away about uh, the way that Ramian was going, but I think when he plays on the right, the right-hand side for the Sharks, it'll be a lot different. He was he was on the left-hand side, which is his unnatural side, so he was basically catching the ball, and a lot of people were criticising him for not passing. He obviously doesn't pass that way a lot because he's a right-side center, um, and all he was trying to do was basically come back against the grain and run from his natural side, which is to the right side. So that's why he did break a lot of tackles, I think. So it might have um, flattered him a little bit in that respect, but... It did open my eyes to him because I thought, you know, him running off Johnson, um, like passes on that right-hand side, he'd be, he'd be pretty good. But um, at this stage, he's not in my team, but he's someone that I'm considering. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a really good shout on the edge he plays. I mean, a lot of super coaches know that, you know, what edge a centre plays will impact their scoring, but it's generally from a, you know, it might be at the Sharks where they're running off SJ or they're running off uh, Chad Townsend and they're impacted in that way. But, just naturally as a footballer, it's so hard for a lot of players to go to their opposite edge. It's, you know, there's people don't get picked in origin because there's a vacancy on their wrong edge. And it's, um, as you said, it, it showed for Ramian on the weekend. Um, I did do up a, a super coach points translation from the All-Stars game on the weekend. Just a couple of takes from that. The whole thing's on the website, the whole story with all the relevant players. But Latrell Mitchell, 70 minutes, only 32 points which is fine, but only 10 in base points. He only had a handful of runs there, which was a little bit of a concern. We know how passionate he was going into that game, so it wasn't through a lack of effort. James Roberts went nuts with 99 supercoach points, 36 coming in base, which is huge for Roberts. That was in 66 minutes. A uh, couple others there. David Feeder was 74 points in 64 minutes. Uh, there's a bunch of others there, but the the real big one there was Brandon Smith, who scored 130 points in 59 minutes, um, and on top of his couple of tries and four line breaks, he had 44 in base. So serious stuff there from Brandon Smith. Um, we'll be here all night, guys. We're going forever. So we'll move on to the the other trial recaps. The World Club Challenge over there in England. The Roosters got up there. Luke Keary scoring and was man of the match in the game. He's a guy I was already enticed by. I'm even more so now. It was a massive pod to start the season. Uh, Spy, what were your thoughts on that one? 
Yeah, it was a pretty enjoyable game of footy Sunday morning. Got up, um, made some brekkie, and I thought, how good's this? Bit of footy on. Um, Teddy back to his best, as he always is. Looked dangerous. We all we all know about him. But the biggest one for me was, although Kyle Flanagan played really well, I thought he slotted in nicely. He lost the kicking duties late in the match, which really hurt me because I initially had him in my side. If he's not going to be kicking goals, I definitely can't have him. Um obviously could get the duties back, but I'd want confirmation absolutely before that. Um, and we might leave Takiaho to a little bit later because I do have some very interesting thoughts on him. Uh, but, yeah, the big one out of that was, was finding and losing the duties, which was a massive shame from, from my eyes. Yeah, I noticed you had him in your Supercoach draft rankings. You had him at number five earlier on and you dropped him to number 10, which is massive. So, And, yeah, yeah, you had him in Classic as well, which was he was going to be one of your pods to start the year, which... I wasn't very keen on him, so I was happy to see him in your team. So I'm a bit bummed about that, but not to worry. That'll save the day for you, mate. He's going to go off. Walson, uh, World Club Challenge, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I thought the Roosters were fairly clinical. I thought the biggest standout uh, from it, the two biggest standouts from it was the amount of minutes that Friend played. Made him super coach relevant again to me, although it's always a bit of a risk when you've got the lad... Um, Verrill's um, on the bench, but I, I, it still showed to me that Robinson has his most faith in Friend, and Verrill's is basically there um, as that number 14 if someone gets injured or they want to put Friend into lock or they want to give Friend a break. He might manage his minutes over the year, but Friend is a very relevant super coach player if he can get the minutes. Um, he played really well too, I thought. Um, and the other one was Manu, how much ball he got given that Latrell's not there. Um, I thought that was really relevant. I mean, Teddy, Teddy's Teddy. He's going to do what he does. And it was interesting, some of the some of the ball play they had off um, JWH, even. I haven't seen that before. But, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know because it's a fairly open style of game with those British teams and they're, they're a little bit weak defensively on the inside and they don't wrestle as much in the rucks. So um, it's hard to sort of take too much out of that. But basically, Manu and, and Friend was my big takeaways from that. Yeah, Manu could be a really uh, really sneaky pilot, obviously, one of the best sides in the comp. He he could be getting a stack more ball this year without the trail, so he's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, and, mate, you had a good look at the Panthers-Tigers game as well. I know you were not from a super coach perspective as much, but you were pretty impressed by Matty Burton. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm interested to see whether Jerome... Luai gets the start. All the talk is he's going to get the start. Um, he's done his apprenticeship. He's been waiting behind Maloney. He's got a few starts and he's gone okay at NRL level. I, I thought he went better earlier. And in the last few cracks that he's had, he probably hasn't stood out as much. Um, but Burton looks like a player, man. Like He, he looks like a serious player. Eh? Like a, He's a good kicker. He's a good passer. And I know that's not what they need to complement um, Nathan Cleary, but, uh, yeah, I think for me it put me off um, Jerome Luai because I know he'll be highly owned, but uh, I feel like there's job security issues there with Burton waiting in the wings. They've got a tough draw to start with and they've also got Tyrone May there. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure that he has that secure of a job, um, Jerome Luai. That's it, and um, which is a hassle because – He's one of our serious, our, what we thought was a solid cheaper to start the year, along with Bradman Best, who's now not playing. It's just getting worse and worse. 
Um, Tyra May's due back round five, but he has been allowed to play in the trials, and he was pretty good as well, I believe. So, I mean, Tyra May could come back and be that bench utility as a number 14, which he played with before um, his suspension. I mean, that's that's a massive issue for Appy Coruscant as well, because, I mean, Appy, by the sounds of it, wants to play 80 minutes, and we need him to play pretty well close to 80 to be super coach relevant. If Tyron Mays there as a 14, cutting 20 minutes out of him, it's an issue. Do you see any, anything there? Yeah, look, um, I haven't really thought that far into it. I couldn't see Tyron May playing dummy half, but I could see Luai playing dummy half if he came, if he was a number 14. I think Cleary, uh, Cleary the coach Cleary, um, Ivan Cleary will be pretty committed toward Coruscant. He believes in him as a player. He grabbed him at the last minute out of the Bulldogs' Um, arms when the Bulldogs had pretty much signed him and convinced him to come over and play for Penrith. And I think a lot of that basis would have been you're going to be playing big minutes because he'd been mucked around a little bit at Manly, albeit, you know, Manasi Fine is the next big thing before he got into his troubles. So, but what I've, I've sort of pivoted out of that game um, onto Billy Walters a bit. I was really impressed with him. Um, I don't know where he fits in with West Tigers. They've got a lot of moving parts at the moment, West Tigers. One of the most interesting trials on the weekend will be West Tigers versus Warriors because both of those teams have potential cheapies. Uh, one of them is Billy Walters possibly playing um, a 40 to 60-minute role at dummy half with maybe a, a Josh Reynolds or a Moses and Bai. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I was really impressed with Sam Musgrove. He's in my team. Unless he's not in the top 17, um, he'll be in my team in round one. Yeah, huge, mate, and a very valuable cheap if we do get him. Um, and you're right with Walters. He does look impressive, but just that rotation, what they're doing with their spine at the Tigers. They've got Reynolds chopping and changing, Moses Embi. Um, we know Jacob Little's out till the middle of the year, so it's just a bit of a mystery, and we're, we're going to have to wait to round one teams to see what happens there. Um, the Dragons belted the Knights in their trial game. We'll get through this one quickly, but Zach Lomax started fullback, which was a massive take from the game. He had a try assist. He had two other involvements in tries, so really promising for people who want to own Zach Lomax. Um, he certainly solidified my, my take on him leading into the year. Jordan Pereira scored four tries, which is fairly super coach irrelevant. What was super coach relevant was that Jason Saab played the second half. He was fairly quiet, but the word is that he will be the starting winger for round one at this stage of the Dragons. Michaeli Ravalawa is in line for a chance still as well, the Fijian. Tristan Saylor looks to be a little bit down in the pecking order, so Saab could be the guy we go there, go for there at the Dragons. The Knights are still unsure on their 5-8 by the looks of it. Kurt Mann was okay at best on the weekend. Um, so that's an issue for another potential cheapie because we needed another one. Um, and Inari Chuala was pretty good in that, that game as well. Um, Walson, you also had a really good look at the Warriors' storm. You are a Warriors fan. What was your take there? Uh, a few of the takeouts I had from it um, was there's a lot of positions up for grabs at the Warriors uh, at the moment. Um, there was a bloke called Adam Tuamavave Gerard that has been named in the trial team in the top 17 for the trial team this weekend. He was really impressive. Um, he's just been a lower grader at a couple of other Sydney clubs, and now he's come back to the to his um, hometown, the Warriors. So he'll be interesting. But I think he'll battle out for a position with um, one of the players who played for the Indigenous side. I think he was number 10, uh, Jermaine Tanua Brown, I think his name. Yeah. Name. yeah. 
Yeah, um, he, he was actually pretty impressive. When you go into your article, Timmy, you can see that in 40 minutes, I think he scored 50 um, for Supercoach and 40, 42 or 43 of that was in base. So yeah. um, he impressed me. And if he gets a start again, he's a bit like Zane Musgrove. He might be a slow, a slow burn or, a, you know, a medium burn on the bench, um, but he's definitely one that you'll have to look at. Um, but, yeah, there were some really good young players there. The, the player that I was most impressed with was a bloke called Elisir Katoa who played on the left edge um, for the Warriors. And if they were to go, go and play Blair at front row, then there would be a left edge spot there available because they're playing Papali or Papalihi at um, lock. So... If this kid was to get a start, he's 170, dirt cheap, um, could be playing 60 to 70 minutes, he, he'd be a steal. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, with that Warriors forward pack, digressing very slightly from Supercoach terms, but, mate, surely you play Adam Blair at Locker in the front row and Kate Papali on the on the edge? Um, I, I actually I can see what they're doing with um, Papali because they bought – Bought Ben Murdoch Masilla for 2021. Um, they're looking for someone explosive on the edge. Um, Tohu Harris is effective on the edge, and he's, you know, he's a quality second rower. But I think they're looking for someone on that left edge more explosive. And Papa Lee um, didn't really deliver on that last year after um, probably having some promise uh, before that. So I think. I'm not sure if Curran's the answer. I know he scored that good try, but that was basically a walkover try. He was just sort of backing up. I, I wasn't that impressed with him in, in short time in the All-Stars, but um, whoever gets that spot, um, it might be a bit of a revolving door if they can't grab it, Warriors aren't winning, but whoever gets that spot's probably going to be a cheapie unless they unless they put Blair there. Yeah, and that's it. We... Um the Warriors bench players and even starting players come round one or two in the past have just been an absolute trap in Supercoach. So tread very cautiously there. Um, Brisbane played the Cowboys on the weekend as well. A relatively strong trial. Val Holmes got a start at fullback. Uh, he impressed. It was in torrential conditions. Really, really wet game. Jack Bird was named at fullback again and was pretty solid. Uh, the reports from the DT at the moment are saying that Bird's jumped Asako on the pecking order. Let's say, for example, say that Asako is still the number one fullback and he's named it fullback for round one. Spy, are you still keen on him or is there too many doubts around him? There's definitely doubts given all the hype around Bird at fullback at the moment. Um, I haven't thought hugely about it, but I don't know how good Bird's ball playing is as a fullback. Um, is Asako's better? I'm not sure. That's one for, obviously, Anthony Seabolt to decide. But there are question marks in the air. Asako is reasonably expensive, so I think there's more risk involved in taking him than there was, say, a month ago when we first started talking about it. Um, in saying that, if Seabolt does start round one with Asako, you'd think it'd be very tough on him to drop him, say, two rounds in. I'd like to think he might make a decision and stick with it for a little bit, but that could end up Jack Bird. Um, and just on Jack Bird quickly, who I quite like because of his ball-carrying ability and, and he loves to, to carry the ball and bust tackles, but he is coming off an ACL injury, so that's always been a case of tread very carefully in your first year back after an ACL and maybe target him back end of the year or maybe next year. But I'd be interested in yourself and Wilson's thoughts on uh, that fullback position and, and the Sarko and Bird. 
Look, I just, just quietly, I think it's the Broncos, as if there's not enough pressure on Anthony Milford and Brodie Croft as it is. Like, we know how difficult and how much pressure you come under being the Broncos number six and seven in recent years. You, you put Jack Bird or Asako at fullback, both who aren't renowned for having much of a ball-playing game at all. They could surprise us. I hope they do, but... Boy, that's a lot of pressure on the spine. It's unnecessary. Who's the better option? I don't know. Do they have other options? I'm not sure. But I'd be worried as a Broncos fan. Um, Wilson, thoughts? Uh, I have no inside information on this, and sometimes um, I do get inside information on the Broncos. Um, but my feeling is that Bird will start at fullback. Um, I, I know Seabold said in the preseason that uh, a Sarko, it was a Sarko spot to lose and things like that. But for Bird to start three straight trials at fullback, it makes no sense for them, him to then go into the season and be playing number three or number four. Like, if he was going to sort of have a bit each way, he wouldn't be starting fullback in this trial against the Titans on the weekend. So for mine, unless he gets injured or has an absolute howler, Jack Bird will be fullback for, for the Broncos. So I think that'll make your decision on Jermaine Asako. And it would not surprise me if, if Asako was outside the top 13, whether it be number 14 or outside of the 17 altogether. And it sounds, it probably sounds a bit outrageous at the moment, but, um, you know, he's really, there's a, he's got limited positions that he can play. So if you, if you were going to go for someone like, a, um, uh, what's that young fellow's name, Xavier Coates, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been named on the wing for the trial. Then, you know, then he probably drops out of the the, the top seventeen altogether. I, personally, I think Bird's a better player, and and it makes sense to me that your highest paid players are playing in your key positions. So, um, I have no issue with Bird playing there. I think he's a good enough ball player to play there, um, and I think super super coach wise, it, it makes um, Asako redundant, really. Yeah, absolutely, and I. I, it took me bloody ages, but I put together all the cheapest in the comp together over the last couple of days or the last couple of weeks, should I say, and did a bit of a spiel on them and ranked them from 1 to 47. And I had Xavier Coates in there, and there's so much backline depth at the Broncos. I was trying to work out where to fit him in and sort of reading between the lines of the trial teams and a few comments that have come out of Anthony Seabold. He's really highly regarded there. I know how good he was last year. I saw him play in the under-20s origin game, and he just tore them to pieces. He could well be the winger in round one ahead of Osaka, as Wilson tipped at. So we'll, we'll have a look how it goes, but that would just be absolute gold for us in Supercoach. Anyway, let's get on to the positional analysis this week. It's our last position we're going to do. It is the front row. We've covered everywhere else. Uh, we'll skip the dual second row players because we covered – or a few of them, should I say, because we covered a lot of them last week. Um, we'll start with David Clemmer. We're going to assume everyone either has Payne Haas or knows everything about Payne Haas. We've spoken enough about him, so we'll get on to everyone else. David Clemmer at 617k. He had 66 points per game in 61 minutes per game last year. Spy, what are your thoughts on Clem? Yeah, I think with Clem, it's probably more of the same coming along. Um, obviously, there is a new coach up there, so... You're never sure exactly what the rotation is going to look like in that sense. But Clemmer's one of their better forwards, obviously, who's going to do that job for them. So my tip would be something along the lines of last year's output. I certainly wouldn't be starting with him alongside Payne Haas because that's a lot of money to spend on a bloke like him. But as the season goes on, someone to keep an eye on and and see how he's travelling. If you need him in the side, you can may, maybe get him in later. But I uh, certainly won't be starting with him, mate. I'll have Haas and someone else in there. 
Yeah, Walton. Uh, I, I did have a few notes here about Clemmer because when you look at the first five or six players that we're talking about, I, when I look at a developing junior player, I look at how much improvement they have in him, and, and Supercoach is a little bit the same, and Clemmer is the one that I've circled as having the most improvement in them. But it's dependent upon uh, him implementing a pre-line pass and offload to his game. He did a little bit of offloading uh, last year, and he did a pre-line passing for the first one or two games, and then he put it away. So I'm not really sure what happened there, but it depends on how he's coached. But he has the potential to get another – average another sort of eight or nine, ten points a game in super coach if he opens up his pre-line passing and that because he attracts so much attention But um, and, and possibly even looks for more offloads than he's doing. But um, I won't have him because I'm going with Payne Haas in a cheaper option. But uh, I certainly think – he needs to be considered, and if you see something in his game in those first two weeks, he could be brought in by a lot of super coaches. Yeah, fair shout. I was I was against him for that exact reasoning that I just didn't see the ceiling in him to justify the price tag at this stage of the season. He'll be a great buy at some stage, and there's no reason you can't buy him from round one, but until he develops something like everything you've just mentioned, that little tip on at the line or something, I just – at this stage of the season, you want pods who can go big – if you're paying that sort of price, I'm just I'm not too keen. Um, James Fisher Harris is a really interesting one. He just exploded out of the blocks all of last year. 66 points per game. More importantly, in 77 minutes per game, 615k. The minutes there would suggest that he's reached his ceiling as far as his output goes. Spy, is there any interest? <coughs> I was having a look at this today, Tim, uh, for a draft article I'm doing tomorrow. And if he plays the 80 minutes based on that points per game, he actually averages just a tick under 70. Um, now, obviously, the risk there is he won't play 80 minutes every week, so you don't know what's going to happen. But it's pretty bloody good output. In saying that, in this situation, already got Haas. Again, I won't be spending that kind of money to start the season to partner Haas. But, look, it's a big watch on Fisher-Harris because if he's playing 80 minutes and if he's averaging up around 70, then... Could be could go pretty damn well for the rest of the season if you get him in at some point. Yeah, Walton. Yeah, Hart is yeah, to a certain extent with these um these big price uh, players that we're talking about the next four, five, or six. Um, he's cannibalised the market a little bit in terms of you can't really get another player in without spending too much on front row forward. So I'm going to give JFH a miss. I'm a massive fan of his. Originally, he was down in my notes to put in the team. I wouldn't begrudge anyone starting him. But like you said, Timmy, you hit it in the nail on the head. He has limited upside with those minutes. Yeah. And next on the list is Adam Fanua Blake. We won't spend too much time on because he's injured and due out until about round three or four. I'm with you guys in that you start with Payne House. I'm not sure I can justify spending the big money on the second front rower. But at 613K, last year, averaged 55 minutes per game at a rate of 1.2 points per minute and averaged 66 points per game. His base was 49 per game. And he's a guy who does have attacking upside. He can score a try. He can bust the line. He offloads a little bit. He's a guy – I'm glad he's not available because I was really tempted by him and I don't want to spend that much on another front rower. Walson, anything from AFB, let's say from when he's fit, come round five or six. I love him. I mean, I had him most of last year. I won't have him this year because of injuries. And um, I think the surprise element's gone a bit and his price has probably peaked. And I'm not sure that he has that 
much more upside. From a pure NRL point of view, I reckon he's one of the best front rowers in the comp, if not the best. Yeah, he's an absolute animal. So he'll be one to come into contention later on in the year when he's fit. But uh, it, it is a shame he's not there from round one. Josh Papali at 615k. There'll be a little bit of Canberra's bias here from me, but average 63 to 66 points per game in the last four seasons. In last last year, he averaged 53 minutes per game, which was massively down on previous years. But his points per minute skyrocketed to 1.22, so his scores weren't affected. Uh, in the last nine games of the season, he averaged 77 points per game, which is enormous. I'm tempted by him, Spy. Tell you what, I was looking at this again today, and I was thinking back to the last couple of months of the Raiders campaign last year. Joshy Papali started offload a little bit more, just free his game up a little bit, searching for some extra points for the Raiders boys. And as you said, he averaged 76-77 over the last nine or ten weeks. That's some serious points. Question mark on Papali is always how fit is he come round one? Um, for me, he's a really big watch and he's the kind of bloke you could pick up probably just after Origin and potentially take you to a serious run home. But with that kind of offloading, um, if he adds that into his game and obviously his try scoring ability, boy can play. Yeah. He had last context sake, he had ten offloads in fourteen games prior to round sixteen. Then he upped that to 16 offloads in his final nine games. Walson, anything? Yeah, he flicked a switch. I mean, I, my notes down here just say basically finish the year. Um, the upsides for him at the start of the season is uh, Canberra had one of the softer draws um, in terms of who they're playing relative to where they finished last year. They've got some good home games. So if you wanted to take a flyer on him, you could. But to me, he's a big game player. Gets through the origin period, gets managed by Stewart, and then um, is huge on the run home. He's done that in previous years as well. Yeah, and I think the other thing that helps him is just the injuries in the back row. Um, Johnny Bateman there, he'll be gone for at least the first couple of weeks, potentially up to the first month. Uh, we'll get to him later. We've spoken a bit about him already in other podcasts, but Corey Horsberg is going to play on the edge or at least try to play on the edge for the trial games at least, and then potentially for round one. So I can just see Papa with a few experienced blokes out, taking a bit extra extra workload and playing a few extra minutes. So definitely tempting. Marty Tapao next on this list at 571K, uh, with guys like Gerbo out the first few rounds, or expected to be, and Fanua Blake, a few other injuries at Manly, Taniela Paseca, potentially bigger minutes for Tapao. Spy, thoughts? Yeah, I certainly like him as a player. Um, we've discussed it before with Des that potentially he looked a little injured last year and maybe carried something through the season. There's every chance he comes back fit and firing. I had a look at his numbers from the last couple of years. He wasn't that far down across the board in terms of minutes and points per game. So if he can just get that back slightly, then he could average in the mid-60s. Like you said, there's some guys out. Um, unfortunately, I won't be able to start with him, as we've discussed, given the pricing up front. But I think... He's got a pretty good return in him if you want to take a punt. And if he does come out firing, he could reap some rewards. Um, so he'd be worth a look if anyone out there is interested in him. Yeah. Walson? I think if you're going to take a flyer on, you know, a Papali, Tapao, AFB, JFH, you've almost got to do it at the expense of Haas and back yourself to. So maybe Haas is down from his 78-point average to a 75 or a 74 in the first five or six weeks, and maybe they're, they're up. They just have a massive run. 
to start the season. And basically what you're doing there is you're saving yourself maybe 120 150 grand in value, which you can spend on other positions. But it would be a very brave person to do that, but it's just the type of thing that could probably set up your super coach season. It would be the ultimate pod play, wouldn't it? And, I mean, there is a small bit of merit in – I mean, does, does Payne House match that early in the year? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But there's a fair chance he can regress early in the year. But as I said, it'll take a very brave man. Next on the list, Aiden Tolman, 557K. I don't think we'll spend much time on him unless you guys have anything else to say. But he did average 60 points per game in 60 minutes per game last year, ridiculously with 58 base per game, which is enormous. There's just no ceiling there. Spy, any interest or not? Mate, he's like the perfect buy player. If it suits your team, come buys over origin period, lock him in, take those points. But no, I won't be starting with him. Yeah. Walson? No, thanks. Yeah. Poor old Aiden Tolman. <laughs> Can't do too much more for us, but just never any interest. Um, one guy who does peak a little bit of interest is Paul Vaughan, who in 2019 had 60 points per game in 52 minutes per game, which was a career-high minutes, is a concern. Um, with James Graham averaging 55 minutes per game last year, I'm expecting a reduction on that potentially by five, ten minutes this year. Spy, is there any interest in Paul Vaughan? Certainly not to start, but again, one to watch. He's got the talent there. I was surprised he maybe didn't average a little bit more last year, um, so maybe the extra minutes took a little bit out of him. But, yeah, I won't be starting with him, that's for sure. Walson? Oh, Vaughan's capable, and he's a capable try scorer as well. When he scored big, I think 2017, he averaged 68. So, um, and that was on the back of a lot of tries, close to the line. But um, no, I, I, I would look at someone like Kerr to pick up Graham's minutes. I'm, uh, I'm with you, Timmy. I think Graham regresses in minutes. To me, Graham is is just riding it out to retirement. To be honest, I think he's sort of a shadow of the player that he was um, in his prime. Yeah, absolutely. A really interesting one here that people aren't real keen on due to a bit of injury, but uh, Andrew for favourite, 554K. I'm happy to go out and say on a limb and say he's the second best front rower in Supercoach when fully fit and playing minutes, uh, but he dropped to 60 points per game in 49 minutes per game last season, which is his lowest of both in a number of years. Spy, do you see him upping that from a down year? Look, it's all about his health. Um, he battled through last year, as we saw, and he went off at times, missed a few games. His pedigree is huge. I mean, he's averaged in recent years 73, 72, 68. That's all in the last five seasons. So the pedigree is there, as you discussed. We all know that. Has he had a good off-season? Does he come back fit and firing? I'm just not so sure. I'm a little bit burnt by old Andrew Fafita because I took a little bit of a punt on him in round 10 last year. Captained him against the Gold Coast. I was sitting pretty with a beer in hand. Seven minutes into the game, he had three offloads, and I was like, how good's this? And he didn't play a single more minute. He went off and they rested him. So that's going to stick with me a little bit. And to be honest, with that injury, how he looked last year, I just don't, I definitely couldn't start with him. But if he looked healthy and he was offloading and running hard, then certainly he'd be pretty quickly into my side if he demonstrated he was back to his best. Yeah, that's some savage stuff there. Uh, Walson? I guess the positives for Fafita is um, lost some front row, I mean, like some middles in Gallon and Pryor who, who play serious minutes and they're experienced players. But who would have thought Andrew Fafita would be sitting there $554,000 and 12% owned at this time of the year? I mean, that's unheard of if you've played Supercoach for a number of years. 
it's ridiculous. But to be honest, I think it's justified. Um, lower limb injuries to um, front rowers uh, in in the back end of their career, I tend to stick care of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and he looked like he was playing injured all last season. And the telling sign for me to put a line through him for round one was getting ruled out of the All-Stars game, which I think he would have been pretty keen to play in. So I think, yeah, that was very telling for me. Next on the list at 537K is a guy I'm very keen on, and that's C-O-C-Y Takiaho. Spy, I know you're very keen on him as well, especially following the uh, the goal-kicking debacle of the weekend. Thoughts? Oh, mate. Well, after Cole let the duties go on, on Sunday morning, Tap took over, and I did a big big write-up on him today, which is coming out shortly, and every time I looked into some more sats or looked at a new sentence, I just got more excited. Sit back, everyone, and have a little listen to this. Okay. He was injury-affected last season a lot of the games, but up until round 15, he still averaged 63 points per game for the Roosters. If you take out his round 10 injury, that get went up to 67 points a game. Now, the back end of the year, he really limited his minutes, Coach Robinson did, to under 40, which dropped his average right back. But if he's averaging around 63 to 67 points a game and goal kicking, if he plays around that 50-minute mark, you could probably add six or seven points in goal kicking. We're talking a possible 70 average here or mid-70s if things go his way. And the numbers add up. I've checked it a few times today because it seemed too good to be true. But i tell you what, he's a bloody good player as well. And that's something to be looked at. And he's a huge chance of starting in my side despite his price. Yep, don't worry about reading the, uh, the Spies article this week because he just covered every bit of it in the podcast. <laughs> Sweet there. Too excited, lads. Too excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wallace, can you think of any negatives towards Siwa? Will you be starting with him? Oh, I'm just blowing up my whole side at the moment to get him in. <laughs> uh, no, I think we're about to talk about the bloke that uh, – oh, he's a bit further down the list, but um, I couldn't have him and Corey Horsberg so, and paying us, so you'd just be spending too much money on front rowers, I think. So um, you're going to have to make a decision here or there, but definitely with the goal kicking, it's more attractive, but – you know, he, 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 I think they'll be reluctant to give him the goal kicking given that he's not going to play 80 minutes. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Next on yeah, the list. Fair uh, shout. Sorry. I'll just quickly say on that um, goal kicking is a factor. And the fact that Robbo does tend to limit his minutes at times if he's if he's a bit injured and they can afford to do that, that's probably my only other concern But around those stats. Uh, decision to make for me there. Closer to kickoff. Yep. Aaron Woods next on the list at 450k. Peaked a bit of interest, um, as we've said a few times, with the guys like Gallon and Matty Prime moving on. There's minutes to be won at the Sharks. Average 48 points in 45 minutes last year. He's averaged high 50, 50 minutes in the past and low sort of 60s points average. Um, Walson, is there any interest there? Um, I'm sufficiently interested not to dismiss him out of hand. Um but he's not in my team at the moment. But he, he's a watch. He's a he's a very close watch because Ronaldo is one of the uh, one of a few sides that you really don't know how their forward rotation is going to go and how many minutes they're going to get. But if he gets up near, um, you know, that 57, 58, even 60 minutes that he was getting back when he was, um, you know, at the Tigers and things like that, um, he's shown that, that he'll average 60 or yeah, uh, I'm a little bit the same. I'm, I won't say I'm semi-keen on him because I won't be picking him for round one, but we can jump on him. He's one of them guys we can jump on after round two before those initial price rises. 
if he does get the minutes, if we see him offloading a little bit, which is also key for Woodsy, spy anything? Yeah, huge watch on him. If the Cronulla may need him this year, may need him to play some bigger minutes. That experienced head, he's obviously played Origin football. Uh, he's got a good offload in him as well, so one to keep a big eye on. And as you said, you can bring him in if he's if he's doing good things. Yeah, Mofat away connects on the list at 4.43k up with the Titans. The injury to Ryan James probably brings him into a little bit more contention. Average 48 points in 47 minutes per game last year at about a point per minute. For me, there's not too much upside, despite it's a decent output, but a point per minute isn't anything drastic. So I don't see too much of an improvement there. Wilson, anything for you? No, impressive NRL player, but uh, not relevant to the Supercoach, in my opinion. Spite? Yep, agree with those thoughts. Yep, and now he's a really interesting one that maybe the bloke you were talking about, there's a few interesting ones coming up, but Wilson, is Liam Knight at the Bunnies, who's attracted a lot of interest, 437k. He averaged 47 points in 41 minutes per game last season at a points per minute of 1.14, which is pretty impressive. Um, the big news there was obviously Cam Murray moving to the edge. Wayne Bennett has come out and said he wants Liam Knight to make the lock roll his own. Walson, what do you reckon about Liam Knight? Yeah, I'm starting to see when I, I haven't really looked at him till today, but I can start to see what people are talking about. When, um, like you said, a PPM of 1.14 at 20 games, um, in 16 of them, um, he scored more points than he did played minutes, which is to me is is pretty big. So, um, yeah, look, he's awkwardly priced, but uh, if, you, if you can squeeze him in, then I think he's probably going to be a pretty safe buy because he'll pay 55 to 60 minutes, you'd think. Yeah, that's it. There's... Really interesting one. He's probably a sit and watch for minutes for me as far as the start of the year goes. But if you do jump on, you're probably not going to get burnt by it, I don't think. So, you know, I can see the merit in it, but probably not for me. Spy? I'm pretty keen on him, lads. Um, Got named at lock today in the 13 jersey for the Charity Shield. If his minutes do go up, his points per minute should hopefully stay something similar and you'll get decent, decent points from the opening rounds plus price increase. I'm a pretty big fan at this stage. Yeah, it's just interesting. They've got a couple of big boppers up front, and Liam Knight at lock. That's a not a very agile middle there you've caught, which is fine in the sort of first 10 to 15 minutes of a match. But, I mean, Wayne Bennett said, sort of mentioned that Cam Murray maybe switches between lock and an edge. Um, I just, I'm not convinced on his minutes there, but we'll wait and see. Uh, next on the list, Braden Hamlin, New Elliott, 432K, who I've started having a bit of a look into, and... Again, a bit of a risk to start the year before we see the minutes at the Sharks, but, boy, there's some upside to him. 47 points per game last year in 37 minutes per game. The past two years, he scored at 1.28 points per minute, which has been pretty consistent when he rises and falls in minutes. So there's some serious numbers, and he can increase in that 37 minutes per game this year. Wilson, what do you reckon? Yeah, I had him as in the pod at times last year, and he was effective. He's got a great attacking game. I just know a little bit like Nelson Estoffa Solomona. He can have big games, but can he play consistently big minutes? I don't think so. I don't think he'll ever play more than, say, 45 minutes because of his body composition and, and his explosive ability. Um, although, you know, maybe at one stage you thought Jason Tamalolo was like that as well, but I think he's a different beast to that. So, um, yeah, I... I I'd need to see it before I brought it in. Yeah, on the same spy. 
Yeah, awkward price. Um, really need to know the makeup of the Cronulla rotation, who's playing what minutes. Um, won't be beginning with him, but keep an eye out on him for sure. Yeah, Trent Merrick's another guy that piqued some interest at the Dragons. Jack DeBellin's court case looks like it's going to drag on for many, many more months. So there is, does look like Merrick will probably start at lock. Um, again, the the output or minutes output of James Graham being reduced, that'll help Merrick. Um, I'll run through a quick couple of quick numbers because I did do an article on him and had a good look into him. His averages from 2017 backwards were 58, 74, 61, 69, and 72, 74, which is absolutely elite for a front rower, especially when they're at 408 k. In 2018, that was his sort of his regression year when he was at the Panthers. His form struggled a little bit before he went to the UK. He averaged 49 points in 44 min, four minutes per game. The issue there was his form struggled and his minutes dropped, but his points per minute were still insane. He went over to the UK, played big minutes over there, had massive output. Um, with Cameron McGuinness injured, Corbin Sims injured, I'm tempted by Trent Merrin, Spy. Yeah, so am I, to be honest. Um, we know how good he's been in the past, and as you mentioned, it's only a reduction in minutes that hurt his point scoring. So big watch on the charity shield. I haven't checked the Dragons lineup, but if he's playing, um, mate, if he's playing big minutes, it'd be pretty hard to go past. Um, so see if we can fit him into my side if he's if that's happening. Yeah, huge watching the charity shield on Trent Merrin. Walson. Yeah, I understand. Um, I understand where you're coming from. He's not in my side at the moment, but I think you'd have to give a close eye on him. Yeah, um, Corey Horsberg is another guy we've spoken about enough in the past, so he's on all the other podcasts just about. He's 376k. He looks like he'll be playing anywhere from sort of 45 to 50 plus minutes this season, possibly on an edge. Um, so he's a really popular one for round one and a team that a guy that everyone should be looking into with a lot of detail. Uh, lucky last on the list is Zane Tedavano at 310k. 33 points per game in 37 minutes per game last season. Pretty popular. Not for me, Spy. I've had a big look into him, to be honest. Um, with so much other attention on other guys. Um, so at the moment, he's, he's not a buy for me, but I will check him out more in depth before things happen and pending team list Tuesday. Yep, Walson. No, I'm not going to look. I probably won't look at him, and I'm not interested in him, to be honest. Uh, I, there's a few, like Musgrave I've spoken about earlier, Jack Hetherington I was impressed with in the trials as well, um, Sean Kepi that you've mentioned a few times, Tim, and and um, Flegler and Kerrigan, um, who are probably not cheapies, but they're sort of lower-end mid-rangers um, that will come into my calculations as well. Yeah, Nice. Right, that's enough for front rowers. Um, we've got a couple of questions to take. We're not going to get to many because we've been dribbling on for too long and you're probably over us as it is, so we won't keep you much longer. We will do our best to get to a bunch of the questions on Facebook and Twitter that we did ask, so we'll do that tomorrow or over the next couple of days. We'll get through a couple, though. From Connor Fordry, who do you believe is the better option out of Burns, Stags, and Ramian? I'll start with you, Spy. Ooh, tough one. I'm a huge Burns fan. Um, he's got a huge base stats. When he's healthy, he tends to potentially average up around 60. So the hamstrings are a little bit of a concern there. But, uh, again, he's someone I'm willing to take a pun on early in the season. He's in my side at the moment. So there's my answer for you, mate. Wilson? I would say number one, Burns. Number two, Stags, particularly if he's kicking. And uh, Asako doesn't make the side. And then number three, Ramian. Yep, nice. 
Um, look, I, there's all a bit of mystery surrounding all of them. Burns is probably the most proven recently. I'd be taking a flyer on Tony Staggs. I really like him. I think he's a serious pod with a really super coach friendly sort of sort of game. So I'd be going Staggs, but I think they're all got plenty of merit in each other. Uh, Adam Bolt, I still like Peachy locked into a centre wing position in my super coach side. Both him and Hess look so much better this year as they are getting far more involved around the ball and with hit-ups. Could they be sleepers for the beginning of the year like the Cardi party was last year? Spy? Look, not for me, the Peach. Um, he's fun to watch. He's very versatile football. He's a good player, but you never quite know what his role is going to be. I don't think he can look too much into the nines tournament because that suits him to perfection. So he's, he's a no for me. Wilson, Peachy and Hess. Uh, Peachy's a player without a position. He interests me because what I've seen so far has been pretty good. Um, and he's a middling price. So if he got 80 minutes, then he'd almost have to go up in price. Uh, Hess, yeah, uh, he's probably burnt by what he's done. To be honest, I'm steering clear of him until he proves otherwise. Yeah, I'm not keen on Peachy at all. I can see the merit in that one as well. And it is the year of the mid-ranger, as, as we've talked about a fair bit as well. They're going to have a massive impact onto the start of the year and rankings, so that's huge. Hess is a guy, if he gets minutes, I'm really tempted by him. If we think he's playing an 80-minute role, but again, even if he starts the game, he could play 60 minutes. He could be benched in week two, so there is risk in it, but he is pretty cheap. Um, Walsh, and this one was for you on Twitter today, is from Zach. Is Victor Radley an option? Handy dual position. What do you reckon? No, I don't think so. Not while Nat Butcher's on the bench. Um, Butcher just eats up too many, too much of his minutes and um, they cannibalise each other. So um, in a super coach format anyway. And uh, and, and like um, Spy was saying before, uh, Robinson's not over. He's a bit like Bennett. He's not overly committed to anyone's super coach game. He doesn't really care. He'll rest bikes at different times throughout the year and he'll mix up their minutes. So um, it's pretty risky playing. Um, that's why there's a bit of a watch on Brewster's forwards and um, Rabbitohs forwards to a lesser extent. Yeah, have a, have a soul, Wayne. Look after us super coaches. Anyway, uh, and the lucky last question, thoughts on Fusatua at centre? Does it make him worth considering at an awkward price? Might be good just to hear a general analysis of the awkward price mid-range crop. Um, just looking forward to the next couple of weeks. We will look at our pods. We will we'll look at mid-ranges. Now that we've gone through every position in detail, um, we can focus on a, a little bit more specific stuff. Wilson, I'll throw that one to you as a Warriors fan. Fusatura at centre, anything? Yeah, I think he's worth out. The problem with Fusatura is his base has always been so low and then he's always when he's scored um, high in Supercoach, it's been because he's, his attacking stats and... You would think at centre he's going to score less tries, but he might get more try assists. His hands are pretty good. Um, the trial match, he looked really good. Took a lot of strong carries early in the set. Um, he could get some clean ball. He's playing outside Tohu Harris, and Nick Arima looked pretty good attacking-wise um, in, in the All-Stars. So I, I think he's a decent shout. Yeah, nice, mate. Doesn't have the base for me. I'd be too scared, but... The Warriors fan knows all, so I'll go with him. Um, that's all for tonight, guys. Cheers, Wilson. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Spite. Cheers, gents. Been very good. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers.